The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles, with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Find out more at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nav Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast. With Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. See, I muted, but my co-host didn't, so all you heard was his glass, and you didn't hear me. Live from Podfleet Command, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, one and all, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and uh, joining me, as he is often want to do, is my redoubtable co-host, He's the uh, the largely unmutable uh, Dan Davidson, and I bring you in earlier than normal on this one, buddy, because uh, we got a special event going on here. Oh we're my live. Gosh, we're live. Thanks. I'm I am highly doubtable. I will I will say that I, I doubt myself very often for joining you on this podcast live, <laughs> but I'm very excited. It's going to be a great time. Um, it's something that we've been talking about for a while, and. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really glad that, again, again, Bill, you came up with a good idea. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're eating. I don't know what you're drinking, but it's working, so keep up the good work, buddy. It doesn't happen very often, I assure you. No, I, oh, I know. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, it's we do it when we can. We do it however we can. And uh, it just seemed like a good idea to do this time to, to kind of go live and 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 say hi to folks because here we are in month five of this sort of quarantine and pandemic and uh what better way to uh to engage with folks and say hey then to uh to have them ask us stuff yeah absolutely as as we think about it we would actually be flying home from vegas today we would probably just have gotten home a couple of hours ago last week was a drag and uh i feel that um you know let's do something positive and make people smile and not worry about vegas this year because we got Vegas maybe later this year, but definitely next summer. Well, here's hoping that it's in Vegas next summer. I mean, we don't know, right? I know. Who knows? I'm po- I'm I'm gonna keep you know uh, positive thoughts on that one because it's been way too long, way too long. 
Well, tonight, as we mentioned, we're going to convene to ask us anything. And Dan, I'm going to ask you to turn up your volume or move your mic a little closer to you um, because you're a little quieter than you were before, which is unreal, quite that frankly. That doesn't happen often. No, it really doesn't. No. Um, but uh, normally around this juncture, we would ask you to regale folks with how to get in touch with us. And you know what? We're going to do that live. Wow. Well, all right. Well, if you're looking to get in touch with us, uh, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. And there you're going to find a multitude of ways to communicate with either Bill or myself. Let's see. There's Skype chat. There's always email. And there's even a giant blue button on the right-hand side of the uh, screen. And you can click on that and send us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so, because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's always the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It is Camp Kittimer. It's our official group, and it's where over 1,700 other friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, and there's never any bashing or gatekeeping allowed. To join the group, just head on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And be ready to be part of truly a wonderful social experience. Uh, and as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. But, uh, Bill, I must say, yes. please, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to you. Uh, oh, thank you. That's that's lovely. I'm going to uh, drink out of my Gorn glass right now. Oh, is that the, the, uh, the glass that was making all the noise? It was. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> We're live. You know, it happens. <laughs> We're live. Uh, and we are we are live. We do see your comments. So, uh, hey, Debbie, it's good to see you. Or you know, at least see you virtually. Uh, hey, Brooke. And uh, good evening to Ryan. Thanks for all being here. I see he decided to watch on Facebook. All our friends. Um, and uh, Legacy Trek, um, I noticed we're streaming live and you're not. Yeah, what's yeah, and you know what? I don't even know if we're going to show the question that he posed already. We definitely like Emily better, so that question doesn't even have to be answered later. Yeah, Thanks, Mike. Asked and answered. Uh, hey, Marina. Marina was recently on the uh, the Trek Geeks podcast just a couple yes. of weeks ago. Robbie, greetings to you from Scotland. It's got to be pretty late over there, so ah. thank you for tuning in. Nice. Uh, hey, Rob. Uh, Hey, Horizon Brave, uh, one of our YouTube subscribers. My goodness. Um, and uh, that's just a, uh, oh, and uh, and hey, Justin, just a sampling of the uh, the comments that we have going on. But uh, we're going to take a, a quick, quick timeout and get ready for uh, Dan's favorite segment of the week. Oh, my. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Sp <laughs> Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> for all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. <laughs> it's treknews.net. You look like you were having a kidney stone there. I think I just passed something. <laughs> <laughs> Online at treknews.net. Dan Davidson never disappoints. Uh, first up, Dan, as we know, as everyone knows by now, Lower Decks has premiered on CBS All Access and uh, on, I don't know, some rinky-dink service in Canada. And uh, the reviews so far have been extremely positive. 
Yeah, and as they should, uh, Bill, the show is exactly the boost of humor and optimism and fun that you know we really need right now. Uh, and as you said, positive reviews regarding Mike McMahon's new animated show series have been pouring in. Uh, IndieWire says that the CBS All Access new animated comedy series, quote, Star Trek Lower Deck embraces the Trek dynamic perfectly. That's pretty cool. Uh, Den of Geek says in their four out of five star review that these characters feel right. They feel like Starfleet. They're not heroes, maybe not yet, but they belong in the world of Star Trek for sure. And some piddly little website called treknews.nerd or .net, something like that. I'm not really sure. But they say that if you're worried about how this show will fit with the shows we know and love, don't worry. Lower Decks pilot Second Contact sets a great first impression for this highly anticipated series as it combines fast-paced humor, a self-reflexive awareness of Star Trek history and culture, and a pleasing art style to grab the attention of old and new Star Trek fans alike. And uh, hey, listeners, if by chance you're curious about how people here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network really feel about the new show, you could just, you know, happen to check out our premiere episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks with Bill, Sarah from Rewind, old guy Casey Shasky, and myself, available right now. Uh, it is available right now yeah. wherever fine podcasts are purveyed. Um, not a shock. I mean, there's going to be a segment of people who, who hate yep. anything new. Just like there, it's going on in, in the chat for this very broadcast right now. Um, and that's fine. Uh, not every, not every trek resonates with every person. Voyager didn't resonate right. with me for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're going to celebrate what we love. And, um, I, I'm happy. I'm confident saying I love Lower Decks. And I'm sure you are too, Dan. I love you, Bill. <laughs> whoa, whoa. No, I'm not ready for that. Okay, we're live. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, Dan, as we all know, Star Trek movies from Paramount are currently a big question mark. And the latest reports really just kind of make it more confusing. Yeah, um... I really don't know which way is up at this point, but I guess it doesn't matter because in space there is no up. Am I right? Boom! Uh, smash! No anyway. one can hear me scream in space either as I'm <laughs> want to do right now. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, Deadline is reporting that Paramount Pictures has put a pause on the Star Trek film in development, which was to be written and directed by Fargo's Noah Hawley. Emma Watts, who is in charge of Paramount's motion picture group, is reported to be in the process of figuring out which way to go for the Trek film franchise. She is considering the Quentin Tarantino Trek project that we've discussed several times here on Trek News, as well as a Star Trek Beyond follow-up that was to be directed by S.J. Clarkson before salary negotiations with Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth seemed to kill that project back in 2018. Um, a couple of more points to confuse you more thoroughly. Um, easy to do. Yeah. Easy to do with you, I know. Um, according to one source, the Holly film would bring in a new cast and would deal with some kind of virus crisis, which, of course, in today's current situation with COVID-19 probably wouldn't appeal to too many people. But a different source says that that same project would bring back all the major actors to reprise their Kelvin timeline role. So basically nobody knows what's going on. And also... The Tarantino Project, which, by the way, he has dropped off of being the director of, is rumored to be related to the classic TOS episode, A Piece of the Action. And one more. I, I, they're all over the place, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just like to, you. Exactly. Just to keep the naysayers and gatekeepers frothing at the mouth, Deadline also says that Paramount is Star Trek's top priority, with Viacom CBS wanting to make sure they get it right. They also say that the Beyond follow-up involves time travel and Chris Pine's Chris Pines, Kirk, meeting up with his father, Chris Hemsworth, may now have the, quote, cleanest 
path forward, which really makes no sense because Hemsworth walked away. But I don't know about you. I'm just going to stick to watching CBS All Access right now. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, let's be honest. The only reason Hemsworth and Pine walked away is because Paramount wanted to pay them less than the contract right. that they signed. Yeah. So uh, the problem with uh, the Pine-Hemsworth team-up isn't Pine and Hemsworth, um, uh, at least in our opinion. Uh, exactly. Usually if you sign a contract, uh, you should pay the people. It's not their fault that they signed the deal before the Beyond numbers came back. You think? Those weren't good numbers. Uh, they, they, so weren't they weren't awesome. They weren't awesome, but they weren't fantastic. They weren't terrible. No. Your, your face is terrible. Oh, wow. It's the first your face I, of the night. is not I, the last one. No, it isn't. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. And Dan, finally, with Discovery Season 3 still just a couple of months out, it's getting closer and closer. That didn't stop CBS from releasing some marketing picks, and one of them has caused quite a stir. Yeah, it sure has. I, I'm all for it, man. More Star Trek swag is always a good thing. And what I mean by that is recently CBS All Access posted a couple picks for the new Lo Lower Deck series, as well as Discovery Season 3. And then the Discovery pick, Sonequa Martin-Green, by the way, congrats on the uh, new baby, Sonequa. Um, she can be seen sporting Michael Burnham's new look, which includes a spiffy new Starfleet com badge. Uh, now, I'm sure we're going to find out the reason for the change as the series debuts in October. But for now, I'm willing to bet uh, our friends at Fansets are hard at work getting all the specifics. Uh, as Deanna Troy might say, I sense great pins coming. Yes, pins and gratitude. That is not what she said. It's not? No. She didn't say pins and gratitude? Mm -hmm. No. I'm sorry. No, it's joy and joy. gratitude. Joy. Joy to you, friends. Peace and tranquility. Peace and tranquility. Sorry, I get my lines mixed up all the time. <laughs> I, I'm only amazed that there were several phrases throughout news that you didn't mess up. I don't mess up anymore. A feature film franchise. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stumble through that, almost like slipstream. Bazunga. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's news for this week. Um, I have to agree with Marina. Uh, pins are joy. Um, That's right. Not incorrect. That's correct. Not remotely. And speaking of pins, Dan, you know, it's the uh, the 15th of the month coming up very soon. And uh, and that means it's it's time for new Fansets pins. Oh, my God. I love new Fansets pins. First and 15th of the month. First and 15th of the month. So you didn't screw that up either. Um, ah, it, ah. It, it's always awesome. The 15th of the month is coming up. And uh, Fansets is continuing to expand their library of pins. All you Enterprise fans will be very excited that uh, on August 15th, Mako Soldier Major Hayes becomes available to add to your collection. And I got to say, the detail on this pin, as you can see on your screen right now, uh, is really incredible. He's wearing that familiar camouflage outfit and looks ready for action against the Zindi. Uh, in addition to this great new Star Trek pin, don't forget that Fansets recently released some really beautiful new pieces to add to your ever-growing collection for the women of Trek. Um, three new pins recently came out to Paul from Enterprise, Jadzia Dax from Deep Space Nine, and of course, Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, plus, the second release from their new full-size Delta collection is available, and it is the Star Trek Discovery Command Insignia Delta. And all of these pins, they're just amazing and are available right now at fansets.com. So head on over to fansets.com, put a bunch of pins and accessories and gift certificates into your car. Because remember, if you spend more than 30 bucks, you will get free shipping. And we love free shipping. On top of that, for 15% off your entire order, enter the discount code for this week that you see on the screen now, your face. 
<laughs> That's <laughs> right. Your face in all capital letters with no spaces. This 15% off bonus code will be available to use from right now as we record until Wednesday, August 19th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Well, Dan, oh, as I make a mistake with the uh, the video here. But that's uh, okay because <laughs> you're cool and we all appreciate you. Uh, well, <laughs> I appreciate me. That's really yeah. all that matters. Uh, we are going to uh, have folks ask us a whole bunch of questions now as we start the, the main body of the episode. We thank everyone for, uh, for staying with us. So if you have a question, you haven't already entered it, go into the comments on Facebook or YouTube jot it down or type it in i guess you don't really jot stuff down on your keyboard uh jot, maybe you do if you're jot? dan dom jot i don't know dom what jot, jot is dom jot human there you go <laughs> um that was that was not bad and uh we're gonna do our best to answer them we have no idea what you all are gonna ask we haven't seen these questions in advance obviously and um uh we're just gonna sort of pick things at random randomize um, randomizer going. Blah, 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 actually, I, I'm going to take this one first because it <laughs> yeah. relates to something in news. Okay. Uh, Horizon Brave asks, Trek Geeks, you've made it clear you don't want a Tarantino movie because it's not Trek. What about Lower Decks is different? To me, it's very akin to something. That's not what we said. Um, hmm. What I said specifically is Tarantino doesn't deserve to be involved with the Trek, with the uh, Star Trek franchise because of his, uh, his involvement in Me Too. Um, he's suspect at best. I don't think that he should be given the reins of a Star Trek project when his own behavior has been uh, disgusting. That's a good way to put it. I, I, I wouldn't say that Tarantino is not Trek. I don't really think that Tarantino's body of work encompasses something that we would be, you know, recognize as Trek. As far as Lower Decks goes, I think Lower Decks is very Trek. It's a very Trek environment. It's 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 TNG era. It, I, from what I understand, it takes place only a couple of years or a year after Nemesis. Um, I think it's very Trek. There's humor, and maybe that's not what people recognize as Trek with humor, which I think is is very welcome, and I like it. Um, it's um, it's grown up animation, which I think is great too. And we've talked about things that made people not consider as Trek in the past, whether it be the the um, the suffering that people are enduring during Picard or the language. But you know what? They're human too, and I don't have a problem with that, and I never really have, to be honest with you. So that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Tarantino has long been uh, questioned for his his response to or his conduct regarding women on the set. He, uh, he has had his own issues with Uma Thurman, which he's since apologized for, but uh, his defense of Harvey Weinstein alone or Weinstein alone um, is, is rather disgusting. Um, uh, I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable with him being part of, of Star Trek, honestly. Um, there are a bunch of other people who I think would do a, a great movie like S.J. Clarkson, who was supposed to direct the fourth Kelvin timeline movie. Yeah, I agree. And also I'd say that, you know, I, I'm basing the opinion that I, what I feel about Tarantino and a Trek movie might not be the right thing. Like I said, based on what I've seen of his works. Yeah, that's I, not to, but that's not to say that if he came to came out with a script that was fantastic Trek and was a what people like to consider a Trek movie, I'd be all for it. I just don't see it happening. And I, I like Tarantino's work. I mean, Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorite films of all time. The first Kill Bill to me is is just it's 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 gorgeous. It's a fantastic, fun movie. Um, I just uh, there are a bunch of other people I would love to see do a Star Trek movie. Yeah. He's not one of them. 
So, um, so there's question number one right off the bat. Um, Boom. Thanks, Horizon. Yeah, I whew. right off the whew, That was a sweaty Pre- one. I'm sweating. Pressure's <laughs> off. Um, oh, I don't know if the pressure is truly off. Um, let's let's answer this one officially since it did get brought up. Legacy track. <laughs> How much more do you prefer Emily to Mike? Um, you know, it's it's not even a contest. There's not enough air in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. That's I can't even believe that that Mike would ask that question because we know Mike asked it. <laughs> we just can't. Cool. We love both of them. Emily and Mike, they're awesome. They got a great podcast over there in Legacy Trek. Uh, I'll never forget the the weekend we were in New York and met both of them and and uh, and she gave us the the drawing that she did on their on their drive up uh, to New York. Fantastic people, but yeah, way prefer Emily. To say uh, producer Casey Shafsky asks, what was your first Trek gift and purchase? I'll let you go first on that one. I haven't the slightest idea. I, I really don't. I can say that I had, I think I may have talked about this before. It wasn't a gift or purchase, but I think of Trek merchandise. And one of the things that I always think of is this really cool metallic poster that my brother had of the Enterprise in his room at our house when we were growing up. It was really great. And I had this. It like, was. It was. It was. I had this like metal wand. It was like a car antenna thing that, you know, you could extend it and be, you know, you'd be like a maestro or something. And I was fooling around, joking around or something in his room one day. And I took that thing and I just went whoosh right across the front of it. And the whole metallic thing just scraped right off the front of the Enterprise hull. And yeah. That was when I think I really became a Star Trek fan. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. that's so awesome! I mean, that—that's really the first memory I have about merchandise. I think one of the first things I really bought that I really wanted and and put the money down for was the Franklin Mint Star Trek chess collection that came out way back in the in the eighties. You yep, get like yep. two pieces every other month, and then the board. Waiting for that thing to be complete was was just. Just pure torture, but I still have it. It's downstairs in the uh, in the basement. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Can I hold that? No, I, that is <laughs> a very stupid question. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. The first Trek gift I ever received was the um, the Star Trek popsicle makers as a kid. Remember those? Uh, you dump yes. like fruit juice or or you know like Kool Aid in them, and you pop them. Well, at <laughs> six seven years old, I don't think I was doing oh, that. Oh, sorry, bourbon. Uh, and you put them in the freezer, and they were in the shapes of uh, Captain Kirk, Mister Spock, Scotty, yeah. and I think Bones or no Klingon. Um, yes, that's right. Oh I, I think it's I, it's been so long since I've seen them, but uh, that was the first Trek thing I ever received. I want to say I was about seven or eight. The first Trek thing I ever purchased. I was, uh, this goes back to my, my, uh, my George Decay story. Oh, that's a good story. So it was Manchester, New Hampshire. I was about 16, I think. Um, so this is mid eighties and there was a, a convention in Manchester, New Hampshire and uh, George was the headliner and I just, I did not have the money to go to the con. Uh, straight up about that right now. All I wanted to do was go into the dealer's room and see if I could maybe take the $10 I had and find something Star Trek to buy. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I'm still a huge Star Trek fan. This is before anyone knows about TNG. Um, and I'm like, well, I've seen those Starfleet Academy decals. I would like to get one of those for the car I'm going to get. So that yeah. would be in my back window. That would yeah, be prime. Yeah. So I-, I went through the dealer's room. I found one of those Starfleet Academy decals. Um, it was five bucks. Uh, I'm pretty sure that get, that's what get. they cost today. So I probably got robbed. 
Did you get two? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I said, well, maybe there's something else I can buy for five bucks. There wasn't. Oh, right. oh, Spoiler okay. alert. <laughs> and then I, I went back out into the lobby. Uh, my mom actually gave me a ride to the con. We lived about an hour away. And uh, next thing I you know, I'm standing there looking out the window waiting for my ride. And I get tapped on the shoulder. I'm the only one in, in the lobby. And it's George Takei. Oh, my goodness. And he goes, are you going inside? And I'm like, <laughs> it's Mr. Sulu. I'm like, I, I don't have a ticket. I, I can't go. He goes, I think if you come with me, it's going to be okay. And so George Takei snuck me into my first Star Trek convention the same day I made my very first Star Trek purchase. That's pretty. That's that's a good story to have your first Star Trek purchase uh, attached to. I, I, would you like to come into the convention, Bill? That's <laughs> you know at, at that point when Mister Sulu is is you know, tapping on your shoulder and it's just you and him. It's like, well, I have to say something. That's that's pretty cool. I would have I would have been like, ah! yeah, that would have been my reaction. <laughs> I love how Fark asks mid eighties. Did a flock of seagulls perform? Uh, no, it's Manchester, New Hampshire. We couldn't get flock of seagulls. But it was a spock of seagulls. Shut up. That's what he said. <laughs> uh, hey, look at that, Fark with a I read spock it wrong. with a spockism. That's very true. Yes. Um, so Dan, <laughs> if you want to scroll through the uh, L, L comments there, you can. Uh, you can pick a, uh, a question. I'd be happy to do that. Let's get this one right out of the way. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this person. I don't read name. Cyrillic. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I love the um, the letters in, in the name, so that's good. If you had to only recommend one episode or movie to someone who has never seen Star Trek before, what would be your pick, Bill, to show them? Well, this goes back to like you know the age-old question of, you know, what do you use to introduce Star Trek? you know, to somebody. And it's, it's hard, you yeah. know, some people say, you know, you want to show them a movie. Some people say you want to show them an episode and then they want to pick a specific series. Uh, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to the episode that I saw first, because I think it is a fine introduction into what Star Trek is. And that's the Corbin might maneuver. Mm -hmm. um, I saw it for the first time when I was about six years old and I immediately understood what it all meant. Um, I, I understood that there was something bigger. I understood that there was something more than, um, than bad guys because Baylock wasn't a bad guy. Right. Yep. And if I could understand that at six years old, I think it's, it's a fairly good introduction for anyone to understand really what's at the core of Star Trek. Are there others I could pick? Oh my God. Yeah. You know, you could pick, uh, anything from, uh, like a measure of the measure of a man. Mm -hmm. You could pick, um, uh, uh, blink of an eye from Voyager. That's a oh, great episode. Yeah, that's Code you don't of necessarily Honor. need to know what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, but what about you, buddy? Code of Honor. No. Yeah, no, let's Honor. not talk about that. <laughs> no. um, I would have to say I'd be right there with you. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to answer that question because there's so many different versions of Trek that have their own uniqueness to it. But I go back to you. One of the first episodes I saw when I was a kid was Balance of Terror. And back then, you know, you had Westerns. You had cowboys and Indians fighting each other. And you had bank robbers and cops. You had good guy versus bad guy. And in this episode, you had Kirk versus the Romulan commander. And it was kind of that submarine cat and mouse that we always like to talk about. And the Romulan commander, for all intents and purposes, wasn't a bad guy either. He was doing the exact same thing that Kirk does on the other side. So for all the people who were watching Star Trek in the Romulan Empire, he was the good guy and Kirk was the bad guy. And it's just kind of reversed the way you looked at it. And I always look at that one as one of the, uh, one of the, one of the ones that I would want to introduce someone 
who had never heard about Star Trek before to show them what it originally was like. Now, like you said, there are so many other ones that you could show. Inner Light, The Visitor. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's so many great things. Star Trek II, of course, which is always considered one of the finest Star Trek movies ever. Um, it's, it's hard to pick just one now when you have, what, 800 plus episodes of Star Trek television plus all of the movies. It's not easy to do, but I, I go with Balance of Terror. I, I don't think you can go wrong with Balance of Terror. I mean, it is in itself a, an amazing piece of, of television. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it does not get bad. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, if we watched it, it was good enough for us as kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to let you pick another one while I try to, uh, to, to do some. I uh, saw one a few minutes ago that yeah, I yeah. was great. Let me see if I can find that one again. Okay, here we go. Yeah, this is a good one because this has come up a lot. Uh, Wyatt asks, with Star Trek Picard bringing Seven back to the Trek universe, who do you hope to see come back to the small screen? Because there's a lot of characters to choose from. Ooh. Yeah. That's rough. And there's some rumors out there right now, too, which are kind of interesting. But I like this question because there's there's so many great characters in all the iterations of Star Trek. So what do you think? Um, pick a small screen character. Um, you know, my my gut wants me to to say Cisco, but I know that I know that we're never going to see Avery Brooks, you know, on in Star Trek again. And, and to jump on that, nobody else should ever play Cisco. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I want to say Janeway. Wow, this is going to be a real boring segment then. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we talked about her last week, and she has become a favorite captain of both of us. And I would say, we, I mean, we saw her come back real quick in Insurrection. Um, uh, was it Insurrection? Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was Nemesis. She came Nemesis. back for, for very quickly for Nemesis. I'd love to see her um, come back in Picard in some fashion. If not Picard, I talked about rumors there have, I, I know they come from sites that you can never really take any credit to, but people have been a rumoring now that she may have a spinoff series. I'm not going to believe it. I, I can't imagine that that's anything that's remotely going on right now. I would love to see a cameo at least of Janeway back in the Picard series to see what's been up with her for the past 20 plus years. I think that would be great. But I'd also, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, but also if I really had to pick a character and we can't do this one either because we're not going to have it, I would love to see Odo again. But of course, with Renee's passing, I don't want to see anybody else play him. But I'd love to see what's going on with the Dominion and with the founders at some point. That would be interesting. I just, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, nobody else can play Odo. That's just, that's never, that's, nope. that's not even on the table. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, you're, you're very boring. I'd love to see a Captain Proton short in the short tracks. I think that would be amazing. Um, just keep it, you know, in the Captain Proton world. Don't even expand it. You know, don't see them enter the holodeck. Just make it a Captain Proton standalone <laughs> story. Short track. <laughs> yeah. Captain Proton short. That's a great one. I like that. No, that's, that's great. You're, you're fantastic, Bill. Wow. See, that... see you, so you call me boring. I call you fantastic. So I think everybody can see where we're coming from. I think the truth is out there. Right? I think, uh, <laughs> I think if we could, if I had a method to conduct an online poll, I think that your, your boring factor would go off the scale. <laughs> I got one more. I think that'll be interesting because it's going to be one's going to, you have to think about and the other one's not going to have to think about it at all. So I'm going to throw another one up here on screen and it's from Mark. What was your guys first STLV like? 
I'm going to let you go first because yours okay. is more recent. Mine was very recent. It was um, five years ago now. It was only my first one. Yeah. Um, I was not planning on going until the uh, 50th uh, anniversary uh, for Trek, um, but uh, decided to go, um, and it was amazingly overwhelming. Uh, I had never experienced anything like it. I had been to small conventions. We'd been to Trek Boss in 2014, and I had been to a couple conventions when I was younger. There was one actually in Nashua, New Hampshire at the Holiday Inn, which anybody who knows <laughs> Nashua is like, oh, my God, really? And there were like 40 people there. Um, to to go into this into this area where when you're walking down the hallway and you've got thousands of people all in cosplay, and then you've got Trek stars just walking past, saying hi, bumping fists, waving, it's it was like what is this real? And of course that 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 auditorium where all of the um, seats are for watching people on stage was like the biggest indoor seating area that I think I've ever seen. It was it was just amazing. It was awesome. We made so many new friends, um, and it was one of those things. It's like okay, this is going to happen every year. I'm just not ever going to miss one. And then now here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um mine goes back many more years. Um, because my first STLV was at the Las Vegas Hilton or the former Las oh, Vegas Hilton. Nice. Um, back when Star Trek, the experience was still there and operating. Yeah. And I want to say, I want to say it was like 2008, maybe wow, that's a while. I could have the year wrong. Um, but it was, it was a daze. That's for sure. Because I, all I did was go to the con, which was not nearly, if you can believe this. Not nearly as nice as the Rio, and that's saying something. Whoa. Because the Rio is a pit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's our pit. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore, it isn't. <laughs> Not anymore, it isn't. Um, and, uh, I, and I had a fantastic time. That's where I got my Avery Brooks autograph. Yeah. Um, uh, which, which was amazing. Uh, I'd never met him before. and I, you know, it's, uh, it, I wish I had brought a baseball. I didn't think of it. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but lots of people were having him sign baseballs, which I thought was cool. Yeah. But um, it, it was amazing. It's It was not as awe-inspiring as walking into that main theater at, oh, at the Rio. Not yeah. not remotely. That's big. And the dealer's room was certainly much smaller. Mm-hmm. That, so it, it's the experience was there, which really was what made it awesome. Right. And luckily, I got to see the experience. Sue and I went out to Vegas, I think, the year before it closed, and we got to we got to experience the experience, and that was pretty awesome. But I'll tell you what, that dealer's room, whoa. That is, if, if people, if you haven't been to STLV, I mean, it's going to be different now because it's going to be at a different venue, but that dealer's room was immense. I mean, it was so big that one year they, like, threw 10 forward, like, real size 10 forward in the middle of it, which kind of threw everybody for a loop, but that's a different story for a different time. Um but yeah, lots of lots of cool things, lots of good memories from that first uh, STLV. I'm sorry, I have to throw this up because I just read it. Um, what was that one TOS episode where some ugly alien threatening to take out the Enterprise, but it turned out just to be an ugly podcaster? Oh yeah, that's right. It's the Corbin might maneuver. <laughs> now I know why he doesn't like him when I do him. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good one, Park. I saw that in the comments, and I'm like, eh, eh, go play your drums. Go play your drums. <laughs> um, STLV is. I, I, I'm interested to see what it's like at the new venue. Um, allegedly, and we can't. There's been no information, so we don't know. This was supposed to be the last year that Creation had the license for the con mm-hmm. before they re-upped. We don't know what the deal is. If they'll have it next year, um, if it'll be in Vegas next year, we just don't know. 
Um, this year in December, for now, um, it's supposed to be at the brand new uh, Caesars Conference Center behind right. Harrah's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't see it happening at this point, not with it being August now and, and there not being any kind of planning out of, of, uh, of COVID infections. No, it's, uh, it's, it's too bad. I, I mean, when they announced that it was going to be in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I was instantly like, nope, I'm not going. And I thought at that point, it's not going to be ready by then anyway for, for people to be able to go to, go to events like that. And that certainly seems to be the case now, but it was, uh, scratched off my list right when they said when it was going to be because two weeks prior I was supposed to be in London uh, with my wife to see my nephew and go to the um, convention out there and we canceled that. So yeah, not going to Vegas this year at all. I used to go to Vegas that weekend every year uh, when I worked at a different job uh, because that's when um, a bunch of us would go and it just happened to be during the national finals rodeo. So Vegas was always a zoo. It's the largest, I'm not really into rodeo, but it's the largest rodeo event uh, on the calendar every year. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of rodeo from what I understand. And it is scheduled for that same weekend again this year. So Vegas could be uh, a disaster in more ways than one if uh, if the convention still goes on. So, Hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do we, do we have one more before uh, we take any uh, type of break, or we want to? We I, I got I got another one. You don't get a break. I don't. Oh. All right, you you can give me another one. That's fine. <laughs> All right, this is a good one because I've been thinking about this for a couple of minutes while you've been rambling on. I really haven't been paying attention. <laughs> you've probably been thinking about it for a couple of days. I mean, <laughs> I know how much brain power you're working with. John Dean asked this one: If CBS made you a showrunner, which would be a disaster in itself. That's not uh, happening. And you could start your own new series or revisit a previous series. What would it be? Hmm. Hmm. Um, that's a great question. Well, being the showrunner presumes that, that I'm the head writer. And so I have to go with um, what I think the best concept would be. Let's see. We've done a space station. I don't want to do that again. Uh, we've done an enterprise. I don't necessarily want to do that again. Um, we've done a ship lost, um, far, far from home. I don't think I want to go that way. Mm. I think that I would, um, and I, I want to say, I don't want to do a mirror universe and I don't want to do anything temporal. Um, okay. I think that, I think I would go back to Star Trek's roots. I, I don't know that I would make it episodic okay. because I don't, uh, I don't know that I would do that, but I, I think I would go for more for exploration. Um, perhaps it's a uh, more of a long exploration arc than it is a alien of the week or planet of the week type thing. Okay. Um, and I would probably set it eh, probably maybe 75 years after next gen or after nemesis, I should say. Okay. Um, or maybe I might pick up on one of the threads from Star Trek online and, and do something along those lines. But, um, but I think I would, I think I would center it around exploration again. Perhaps we're back in the Delta Quadrant, but a uh, different part because we're exploring now. We've we've made it further out 75 years hence. I so, like that. Yeah. Um, uh, th- that's kind of where my head's at, just sort of off the, off the cuff. What about you? Well, y- you said it in what you were talking about, and, and nobody's going to be surprised when I say this. I would want to do a Mirror Universe ep- um, series. However, I would want it to be very specific. A lot of specificity has to be involved in this. A lot. And by that, I mean, I want it to start right after Mirror Mirror ended, which we kind of saw in Star Trek Continues, but we would not, we would not have that as part of the story because David Mack, of course, my, my favorite Star Trek novel is Sorrows of Empire. And it deals with 
Spock becoming the leader of the Empire. Right. And what happens and the the tie-ins. I would like a novel I would like a I would like a like premier mirror universe movie to be that book. Two hour multi-week event or whatever. And then I would like it to spin off um into mirror universe adventures. Doesn't have to be a particular crew, doesn't have to be particular character. Maybe all of them mixed in because we've seen it on Deep Space Nine, we've seen it on um we've seen it in TNG novels. Um so I think you could put all kinds of different you know, time frames or, or whatever in there, but everybody knows what a huge fan of Mary Universe I am. And, and I, I think that David's book should be a movie, a TV movie, and then just a series building off of that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Wow. Um, so would you have Ethan Peck play Spock? Sure. Why not? Yeah. I'm the showrunner. So, um, actually, yeah, I would. I'd call him up. Ethan, buddy, get the ears on. Let's go. Ring a ding ding. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a, he's a great Spock and I think he'd be a good, uh, uh, we've seen him with the beard, so we turn that bad boy up and get the goatee, and he'd be ready to go. <laughs> evil Spock, yeah, that would, or yeah. I guess not evil, just misunderstood. I'll Much like you. your face. Uh, my face is very misunderstood, but I'll give you credit for that one. That novel, if you're a Mirror Universe fan, yeah, it's fantastic. That book is great. I mean, there is so much Star Trek wrapped into that novel because he's a Vulcan, so of course. He lives a long time. He's married to Marlena Moreau, and and there's you know the Trill homeworld is in it. And I, there's so much going on, and it it makes sense what's what happens in this in this book, and I recommend it to everybody. Uh, fair enough. I, I've read it. Uh, actually, I've I've been able to read those words, and um, I got through it, which mm-hmm. is which is a plus. And I have to agree with you. It's it's a fantastic book. You recommended it to me as as one of the first ones to take on a vacation. I was. I was on a couple of years ago, and uh, and it didn't disappoint one bit. Nice. So, Dan, we're going to do a little business with America here Ooh. and talk about uh, some friends of ours. They are good friends, and, you know, we love to talk about them, Bill. The Science Division and our friends Kalia and Jay, of course, they are the makers of the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can actually control with your smartphone. You know, I love this Tribble. He's always here keeping me company. And, you know, the best part is, unlike you, he doesn't annoy me. He's got a wonderful disposition. You know why? No, why? I, I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because tribbles are not dangerous, Bill. <laughs> They're tribbles, you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. The Science Division Tribble is a definite must-add to any Star Trek fan's collection. It doesn't just look great on your desk, though. No, no, no. These tribbles seem so real, it's incredible. It's like they've beamed down from Space Station K7, Bill. Uh, yeah, plus they're interactive. Uh, they have three modes, at ease when they're happy and content, on duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds, and watchdog, where you can be sure the Klingon secret agents are close by. Now, you don't have to use the app to enjoy your tribble, but if you do, there's also an attack button, which makes your tribble scream on demand at friends family or stupid and idiotic co-hosts of popular star trek podcast bill really yeah that's pretty convenient i wonder who you might mean in that regard there you go (laughs) (laughs) wow that's not in the copy at all uh you can get your triple right now at sciencediv.com and when it arrives you can download the section k7 app on your your ios or your android phone god i can't speak tonight what's going on and you can give your triple a name you can even choose what ship it's going to be assigned to. Plus, if you order your Tribble today, Science Division is giving Trek Geeks listeners a special $5 off the adoption of your Tribble. In addition to that, 
This week, you can get all the Vegas goodies for your Tribble adoption. Order now and you'll get the Tribbles of Vegas cards and the free Pixel Art Tribble pin. Say that 10 times fast, Dan. Mm -hmm. So head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now to place your order. Then normally these furry little creatures go for $69.99. But because Tribbles have a very tranquilizing effect on the human nervous system, we want you to enter the special code GEEKS to really enjoy it. That's GEEKS in all capital letters. Use that code and you're going to get $5 off your adoption. This code is good now until August 19th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode, Bill. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Um, love the Tribbles. Love yes. Science Division. I'm sure Jade and Kaylee are out there. I've seen them commenting. Um, and uh, just, just a great, great little small business, and we love small business. That we do, and, they, and, they, and it's, it's so great. I mean, it, I, we were playing with them during the commercial. They are, they're, they're fun. It's, it's, look at it. It's fun, people. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so back to questions, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a this is a Trek geeks related question. Oh, and it's from our friend Jason Marks. Uh, there was recently a Trek geeks episode about Captain Janeway because of Voyager's twenty fifth anniversary. Will there be an episode for Captain Benjamin Cisco at some point? Um, I have to say the answer is most likely yes. The only reason it didn't happen during DS nine twenty five was that it just it, it didn't it didn't make the schedule. Yeah, um, that that's a poor answer. Uh, it's the best one I have. We came up with the idea to do Janeway because we had wanted to talk about that particular character for some time. And it seemed that during the anniversary was was probably the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, we did more Cisco call-outs as far as episodes. Um, particularly, we did um, an episode called The Dreamer and the Dream, which was about Far Beyond the Stars mm-hmm. um, and, and its, its impact. But we haven't done anything yet with regard to Cisco, Dan. Yeah, and I also have to say... I, I think we'll eventually we, – we do character episodes quite frequently. We've done specific deep dives into characters. I know that eventually, even though you make the decisions on this podcast and I'm, I don't have anything to do with those decisions, <laughs> you're going to – I'm sure we're going to do a – we're going to do a Captain Archer. We're, we'll definitely do a Captain Cisco. He's – for the longest time, he was our favorite captain and yeah. could probably still be if not just for a little, tiny little captain called Captain Pike. But we'll get into that later. Um I think it was important for us to do a Janeway episode this year during Voyager 25, as you said, Bill. But part of the reason is, let's face it, the Voyager cast in the show has gotten the short end of the stick this year. Yeah. It is Voyager 25, and nobody can celebrate in person with them. And that it that really sucks. It really does. We were talking about that last week with Amy when we had her on talking about Janeway. And... And, you know, people have been looking forward to this celebration for so long. I've said it a thousand times. My wife and kids' favorite series is Voyager. It's not one of my favorite series when I did the rewatch. And the fact that we can't go to STLV or Chicago or any of these other big conventions to be with the cast and thank them is really too bad. So we wanted to make sure we did a Captain Janeway one. Long answer, but but we are going to do a Captain Sisko one. Whether you say yes or no, we're doing a Captain Sisko episode, Bill. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I love Cisco. Um, yeah. He's probably one of my favorite all-time Starfleet characters, yeah. uh, Star Trek characters. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, should we have done one during DS Nine Twenty Five? Probably. Hmm. Um, but there was, there was, it was a content-rich environment Whoa. that year. Yeah, it was. Um, as it is every anniversary year, and it's it's tough to pick and choose. So, uh, Dan, here's a question I know is is going to be near and dear to both our hearts. Okay. 
Ryan Jeffs asks, what's the best <laughs> scene from Generations? I'm going to say it's the one where all the ships take off and the end credits start rolling. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. That was pretty good. I do have to say that at the time, the crash scene of the saucer section was pretty intense. That was pretty cool. I enjoy. I like the special effects. I like the dirt flying up and, and everything like that. And and yeah, Deanna caused the whole thing. That's a whole nother situation, Amy. We'll get into that some other day. But, um, <laughs> I, I do like that scene. I also I I gotta say, the the whole. I don't know if it's. I guess I can't really call it my favorite scene because it's just so corny. The whole the whole Tuesday part with Harriman. It's just it's it's gotten to the point of watching it so many times that you get to see the guy from Ferris Bueller is actually a captain of the Enterprise, <laughs> um, and you just don't, you don't even know what to say to that. Um, I do like the um, I do like the the special effects of the Nexus as well. Some of those things are pretty cool. Yeah, the Enterprise <laughs> crashing. I remember seeing Generations the night it opened, and you know as all of a sudden Alan Ruck appears on the screen as Captain John Harriman. <laughs> And I scream out, hey, look, it's Cameron. And the whole theater just started dying. Well, I'd I like you I, to fire a photon, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Let my starship go. Wow. Um, thank you. Thank you. That's Requests right. uh, yeah. also taken as long as we can do it without annoying Spotify. <laughs> um, Dan, here's another question. Well, actually, I have to say, Generation's not my favorite. No, it isn't. By any, I think it's the worst of all of the the movies. I think that it's the one that fails at its only job, which is to bridge the two generations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a terrible story. It's got terrible B stories. Um, it's got a terrible death for Captain Kirk. Spoiler alert. Um, and it, it's just not cohesive. What? Uh, the most impactful thing in the movie happens off screen. And that's the death of Robert and, uh, yeah. and Rene. Yes. That's at, true. Uh, in France in a fire. Yeah. Um, compl- the moment is just wasted. No. Uh, I give Patrick Stewart all the credit in the world because he he does his best to convey the emotion of that moment, and he's a damn fine actor. But um, that script was the script was a series of checkboxes on a list that the mm-hmm. studio wanted, and and more and Braga have admitted that. So I um uh, it's not my favorite movie. It's not the bottom of the list for me. I know that it is for you. I think Nemesis is my least favorite of the Star Trek movies, which is kind of funny because my parents are getting ready to watch Picard. And uh, last week, they wanted to know what things to watch, so I gave them iBorg and Nemesis. And my dad calls me up and is all excited. Oh, my God, Nemesis was so good. And I'm telling you right now, B4 is going to be the new data in Picard. I'm telling you right now. And I'm like, okay. Okay, Dad. (laughs) But they like Nemesis, so whatever. Uh, Actually, Ryan, I was serious. (laughs) 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 And uh, Generations is the best truck movie. You cannot change my mind. I'm not trying to. Um, everyone's favorite is someone's least favorite. That's it. You know, it's the champion rule in full effect. Um, I, I just, I hate it. So uh, what can you do? (laughs) Um, uh, legacy Trek says the music is the best scene in, in, uh, I don't disagree generations. Um, the opening theme sounds a lot like the deep space nine theme, Mm -hmm. at least in its progression. And that's because the same guy wrote it. I think. I think so. I, I gotta say that one of the things that bothers me the most about that movie is, what they did with data. I did not like the attempts at humor that they had with him with his emotion chip. Especially with the when he's when it's like when he's freezing up and he's got that god scary as hell face when he's like I just it's not I don't I don't like what they gave Brent to work with in that. <laughs> Mr. Tricorder. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I hate that scene so with a passion. Bad. Um but you know, we like to celebrate what we love. Yes. 
Um, and that takes me to another question. Oh, okay. Which is, uh, what are your thoughts on the Lower Decks theme music? I enjoyed the music more than Picard. What about you, Dan? I think that this could become my favorite theme, especially of the modern Trek. I love the Discovery theme. I love the Picard theme. And when I found out that the Picard theme was actually an offshoot of something that you barely heard off in the distance in the inner light, I completely freaked out. It was, I thought that I was showing everybody on, on, in my family the video, but Lower Decks is great. It really has a Star Trek feel to it. And when you add that great music to the hilarious opening credits, I think it just adds to that music. I'm a big fan of it. What about you, man? I love the Lower Decks theme. I love how the first several notes of it are kind of reminiscent of mm-hmm. the the animated series theme. Yep. Uh, and that sort of quasi-fanfare that happens at the beginning. Uh, I actually love the Picard music. I think it's sweeping oh. and emotional. Yeah. Um, and I think it fits Picard at that stage of his life. I don't think we're going to get some sort of, you know, uh, adventurous, you know, rip-roaring, rousing theme mm-hmm. um, that, that's meant for a, a hero. We're we're getting a man who's pretty contemplative at this phase of his life, and I think that music kind of emulates that. It does. But the Lower Decks theme, I, I think it's it's amazing. Uh, I think the, the composer is Chris Westlake. I might have his name wrong. Um, but he did a, a fantastic job with that theme. Yeah. And like, the opening credits are hilarious. They are. And... and th- a lot of people have said this, and I agree. I also think it's part visual and part auditory. It's very Voyager reminiscent, especially at the beginning. Of course, you got the you've got the the hilarious part with the starship hitting that iceberg and just kind of <laughs> falling off and and losing power. I all of the themes. When you listen to all of the themes, I gotta say, you know, you know which one is my least favorite is TNG. It really is. And part of the reason I've really had a problem with TNG from the beginning is because they ripped it off from the motion picture. I mean, let's, you know, there's no debate about that. They took that theme from motion picture and turned it into TNG. And I've always had a problem with that because I love the music from the motion picture. Um, but uh, I've always loved, I love the redo of Deep Space Nine's theme, the the, the more upbeat one uh, in the yeah. later seasons. Yeah. Um, love Voyager, but I, I, I really love Lower Decks. And, and I think um, Horizon pointed out it's it's cartoony. But I think it's supposed to be cartoony because, after all, it is a cartoon, and I, I like the I like the sweeping music with those cartoony tones mixed in. If that makes any sense, man. From you, not at all. But I understand <laughs> what you're trying to convey. Um, I think my favorite theme has to be the Voyager one, and I have a story. Oh, so uh, back when Voyager was on first run television on UPN, I had a miniature Schnauzer. His name was Spock. And whenever the Voyager opening credits would come on, he would howl during the entire Voyager theme because he was singing along with it. And it was the most hilarious thing ever. Uh, of course, this is back before cell phones. This is back before uh, easily accessible video. And I didn't own a video camera. Mm. But uh, that is my lasting memory of the Voyager theme. I think of that that wonderful little dog every time I hear what we refer to as the wah because the wah-wahs. Uh, yeah you know wah 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 yes. and but he literally would howl from the first note to the end note and when it was over he'd stop i got a story too you want to hear it <laughs> do i have a choice <laughs> no it, it, you made me think of something which is a great memory even though i'm not a fan of the, the tng is it's not like i'm not a fan i i like it at star trek but when i was younger when tng was on for the first time I'm going to put my sister Donna and her husband Chris on the spot here. I love it. And no, Alex Trebek was not in Insurrection, Donna. I'm going to say that live for everybody on the planet to hear. But anyway, back in the day, my nephew, who's now in his late 20s, was just a diaper-wearing little lad 
when the TNG theme was playing on the TV, he would be standing there in his diaper, just hopping up and down on his legs, kind of <laughs> singing it. It was, it, I remember it to this day. It was hilarious. So yeah, that's my TNG memory. That's a, that's pretty amazing. Have you brought this piece of information out at any family gatherings? I think I have. I think we've talked about it before. He denies it, but he was, he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember what he did 20 minutes ago. No, he really doesn't. It's like his uncle. <laughs> that is actually 100% true. Um, Dan, as you can see at the bottom, we have a very special fun fact scrolling across the bottom of the screen for your sister. <laughs> there we go. Um, fun I gotta, fact, Alex Trebek I, was not in Star Trek Insurrection. That is fantastic. I'm screenshotting that right now. <laughs> she should be listening, and if she's not, we're going to have a problem. It'd be better if she was watching, because she's not going to see it otherwise. Oh, that's true, too. That's what I meant. Because, you know, I'm used to podcasting. Yeah. Dan, um, we have another question uh, about Ooh. Trek villains. Do you think that Trek stories rely on too many bad guy mustache twirling villains? I feel like Trek is at its best when it's not just a bad guy, but a problem with ideology. What do you think? I agree to that question to a point. I think that's a problem in the movies. We've seen that far too often in the movies. I mean, let's go. We got Khan. We got Krug. We've got um, uh, undiscovered Chang. Uh, Chang got every, every movie has a twirly mustache villain, Nero. I mean, you just go on and on. So I think that, that that's been overdone in the movies. I think the shows, especially the modern shows, have done a good job of having the villain be different ideologies like horizon said and i think that's a, a credit to the writer's room of this of the series and that, they did it also in in the older shows tng ds9 um and and to a point voyager but i think the movies is where the problem with that i guess you could call it a trope is i think to some extent you know it's, it's a movie you want to tell a story that's going to captivate and put people in chairs for two hours and after the perceived failure of star trek the motion picture um, by the studio, uh, they wanted big and they wanted uh, boom, and they went for it with Star Trek Two. And since then, since uh, since it's worked, um, that's kind of what they went with. I think with TV, you get a mix. You have to have some villains, or else you know it just it, it doesn't always work. Um, should they tell more ideological stories, more non bad guy stories, like the Colville might maneuver? Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I think that we got. I, I think we get some of that from time to time still. You know, you look at the episode of, um, I was in Obal for Karen, I think it is, with the uh, the sphere data. Um, you know, when Discovery, when Saru is dying in Star Trek Discovery, mm -hmm. uh, allegedly dying. Oh. And, uh, and they meet up with that sphere. And they realize that the sphere is trying to give its data to someone before it can go on its merry way. Right. Um, there's no bad guy in that in that episode. Well, it's funny that you say that because... Helen says Star Trek Four doesn't have a bad guy. Oh my God, there are so many bad guys in Helen. Madeline interrupted Scotty and <laughs> McCoy. The soccer ball that came to Earth. Oh, the whales. How dare they become extinct? Oh my God, I'm so 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 disappointed, Helen. Um, <laughs> Star Trek Four doesn't have one, but every other one does. Right. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Four and Star Trek Four is considered one of the best ones out there. Also, it's also considered the most approachable because non-Star Trek fans loved it in 1986. Right. They figured that they could capitalize on that with Star Trek Five, because Cybok's uh, not really a bad guy. No, he's not. No. He's just... He just wants to share your pain. He's, he's a bit of a cult leader, but he's not a bad guy. Yeah. Kool-Aid. Yeah. Drink it up. Your pain runs deep. Yeah, share it with me. What do you know of my pain? <laughs> Anemic uh, pain. 
<laughs> or we could just go off on Star Trek five quotes the whole night long. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think that Star Trek has the ability to still do, you know, non bad guy stories. I think they still do. I, I think it's just a question of, you know, Trek not being episodic anymore mm-hmm. or, or so far, because we don't have strange new worlds yet, which is allegedly supposed to be a little more episodic. And you know, that rumor is something I originally was like, oh, really? But the more I think about it, the more I'm, I think I'm going to look forward to that. As long as it's not, you know, Spock's spine got severed in this episode when a container fell on his back, but he's going to be fine next week like we had with Worf. That would kind of be a problem. But if we don't have the season-long arc, I think that would be kind of neat to go back to those adventure, hour-long adventures that we used to see back in the day. Uh, Dan, I have a, a different kind of question for you that's one that's more Trek Geeks based. Hmm. Uh, Ryan asks, what's your favorite, most proud of Trek Geeks episode? Hmm. Can I make you go first? Nope. Okay. Um, I got two, I think. And one of them focuses on you, and one of them focuses on me. Um, the one that focuses on you is the Saru episode that we talked about, and your um, wonderful article that uh, that you wrote for StarTrek.com regarding your anxiety. Um, and the one for me was Captain Pursuit. We both had long discussions on whether or not we thought we were going to be able to do these episodes. So I think they're favorites because we were able to push through that concern and that nervousness and do them. And I think um, I'm most proud of them because our discussions, we have already been told over the course of time that our discussions have helped other people who are going through or were going through similar situations. So that's something that I'm proud of because I've said with all the stuff that I went through and all the pain and, and hell that, that happened, if I could, if I could prevent one person from committing suicide, then what I, what I talked about freely on the show was worth it. And I think you feel the exact same way. Now, at the same time, I think the 50th anniversary episode that we had where we had people call in with their comments is I'm extremely proud of that because we got to get our listeners involved talking about why they love Star Trek so much. And listening to all of those people tell their stories was extremely uh, personal and gratifying for me. What about you? Um, I knew you were going to pick the two you picked initially. So I was going to pick two different ones, one of which you gave as your third one. Ah. So I'm going to round that up with the fourth one, which is the Jonathan Frakes live stream we did. Oh, yeah. Um, just, uh, two months ago this mm-hmm. week, um, because the ability to, to raise money for feeding America and feed so many people, right. um, it's, it, it, it really, it leaves me kind of speechless, you know, through everything that's going on and, and all the crap and all the, the tension and all the, the sickness, um, it, it's, it, it gives me hope in humanity. I love Star Trek fandom, mm-hmm. man. I tell you what, they, they step up and deliver every time you need them, whether it's in emotional support or in this case, financial support to help raise some money. Yeah. And, um, the fact that Jonathan Frakes helped us with it, it's, it's a moment I'm, I'm, I'm damn proud of. It was, it was so much fun. And we can talk about, you know, we're talking about the things that are, that are, that were important and the ones we're most proud of, but there are ones that we had so much fun doing. Andy Robinson's interview was one of the best. He was so much fun. He was at his office and at a, at college out in California. Somebody came in in the middle of the interview because he had a question about something. Just 
that Alex, uh, Alexander Sadig we had recently was another great one where we get to talk to these people who lived Star Trek and was part of their career, telling those stories of behind the scenes and what it was like 20, 30, 35 years ago filming these uh, these TV shows. So much fun. Uh, I feel so honored and, and blessed to be able to talk to these people about what we love so much. So those are real fun ones for me. I'll say as as the executive producer of Trek Geeks, we have never done a more impactful episode than Captive Pursuit. We've heard wow. from people far and wide about how it is it has impacted them and how that episode has been their captive pursuit mm. and their own moment of 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 feeling low and and, and needing something to to pull them out of it i I don't think that i i there's, I wouldn't want to top that and I don't think there's a way we could wow oh okay um thanks <laughs> i don't <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know what to say uh, i I've said it before it it was time to tell a story. Um, it, it was time to explain why it was so important to me and, and, and what had happened. And, and on top of all that, being able to, to meet in person, Cole Meany, uh, and Scott McDonald, who played Toss, to thank them and hug them uh, for literally saving a person's life was something that I will never forget. And I'm just so, I'm just so happy that uh, I've been able to help some people with it. I want to take a moment to say greetings to Aaron Harvey and, and thank him for the amazing countdown video he did for this very broadcast that yeah. you saw tonight. Aaron, the co-host of Infinite Trek here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Hey, Aaron. Aaron, what's up? <laughs> um, Wyatt Stockdale asks, what's a mystery or loose end in Star Trek uh, that they never went back to that you want to see answered? For example, like the parasites in TNG's conspiracy. Well, that's what I would have said. <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> that's one that I'm always like, oh, my God, why haven't they gone back to finish that up now? For those of you, of course, that have listened, you know I'm a big book reader, and that does continue on in the books, um, and it's a great story. I think those books came out in the mid-90s, I want to say, maybe early 2000, and they they go through TNG and DS9. Um, remember the baby born in Friday's Child, Leonard James Akaar? He's yeah. an admiral in Starfleet, yes. and he has a very, very prominent role uh, in that story. So conspiracy is definitely one. Uh, oh man, I gotta, I gotta think for a second on that. I know there's a couple that I've had over time. I just gotta think real quick about what they were while you tell us about yours, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I, um, it, it's, it's kind of amazing because, you know, I, I think that there are things that I want to see again. And then I, I decide ultimately that I don't. I, I this is going to sound really dumb. Coming from I'll, you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for not letting me down. Come on. Um, <laughs> I kind of wanted Deep Space Nine to have another encounter with the aliens from If Wishes Were Horses. The oh. ones that took the the form of Buck wow. Bakai yeah. and, uh, and Jadzia Dax and Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an early DS9 episode. It's not a great episode. But I would have loved to have seen something more. Um, kind of like, you know, Enterprise gave us the ability to, to, uh, to see the Organians again, an observer effect. I would have liked some of their exploration of those aliens. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I, this really isn't, you know, a, a loose thread because other things happen, but I would have liked to have seen what happened after In a Mirror Darkly Part 2 when Sato shows up uh, as the new uh, Empress. Um, you I mean, and your mirror universe. I know, but it's something I was like, wow, what happened after that? But I also got to say that um, there was an episode of Deep Space Nine um, – Oh God, I can't think of it. I'm because I'm trying to think of so many things at once. It's it's going out of my head. But um, the one with the the planet where Jadzia fell in love with somebody, and they were gonna like 
disappear for 60 years meridian. or something like that. Yeah, Meridian, thank you. That's one that's always been interesting to me as well. A lot of people don't like that episode. I love I'm not it. a huge fan of it. I like it. I don't love it, but it still would be interesting to I me mean, because Jadzia, well, well, Jadzia didn't live, keep living, but Ezri, Dax does. Um, would have been interesting to see what happens 60 years later when that planet shows up again. I her, her Jadzia's love interest in that episode is terrible. <laughs> There's no chemistry there whatsoever, and I think no. that's what people dislike about the episode the most. Yeah, I love the concept, and I love the reaction that Terry has at the very end. <laughs> so, um, we're joining Starfleet apparently. Okay, what division do you want to be in, Dan? I've always wanted to be in command. Really? You know that? Yeah. Yep. Life or death. With your command of the English language. My command in English language doesn't matter when I just point at people and tell them to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, it could be cliche, but everybody always wants to be a captain, or most people. Um, I just, I, I think that that was, would would be where I would uh, where I would fit best. Interesting. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say engineering and operations. I'm a red shirt man through uh, and through. You are. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm I, I'm an engineer today, albeit a systems engineer, partly mm-hmm. because of my love for Star Trek. Um, so uh, I, I have to I have to go with Scotty on this one. You know, if, Scotty was my favorite TOS character growing up, as much as I love Captain Kirk. But yeah, um, so if, yeah, engineering. If, if I had to choose a second one, if I couldn't choose command, let's say that you were already captain, which or you is flunked the out, funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, I would uh, security. Um, I get to shoot people. Which is always fun, and <laughs> and Odo, Odo's my favorite character, and he was head of security on on the station. So, um, I think I would I would like to be uh, head of security. You know, the goal is not to shoot people, right? That's your goal. <laughs> <laughs> my goal is to keep people quiet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, kidding. Mark asks, uh, "What Trek uniforms do you love hate?" I'll I'll go first if you want. Okay. I'm going to say I love, 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 love the, the TNG first contact uniforms with the, the gray and the black. Mm-hmm. I love the monster maroons from Wrath of Khan. Yep. I, um, I even love the space pajamas from Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> I think those are just fun. Um, I hate the Voyager jumpsuit. The one that started on Deep Space Nine is the alternate duty uniform. Yes. I hate that uniform with a passion. I'm yep. sorry that they got stuck in the Delta Quadrant for seven years with that particular <laughs> uniform because it was just terrible. I, um, I'm not a fan of the season one jumpsuits on TNG. Um, yeah. I love when they st- in season three when they started wearing the, the, the uniform tops. I love those uniform tops. And they're like, <clears throat> from what I understand, they're like three, they were like three grand a piece to make those things. I mean, they were high quality. Um, and I've always loved those. I initially was not a huge fan of the discovery uniforms, but I have grown to like them a lot more. Yeah, I do too. And I, I, I hate to say this because he's Odo. I don't like the Bajoran security uniforms. I've never I don't like the liked Bajoran those. uniforms, period. But yeah, yeah, let's, let's just go with Bajoran uniforms. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of those. I will also say that the, the re-imaged TOS blue, or uh, blue, yeah. yellow, and reds in in Discovery season two are fantastic. I really like what they did with those. Gersha Phillips is an amazing costume designer. Yeah. I love what she did to, to sort of update that look. Um, that's why I bought one of those knockoff Disco red shirts 
um, yeah. off of eBay because uh, I wanted to wear that baby at STLV last year. So I should have worn that tonight. I know. I was actually thinking what I, one of the ones I want to say, I love the Admiral Picard uniform in Picard when they had flashbacks. I got one in my closet yeah. there that I got I was going to cosplay this year. Yeah. Um, it'll wait till next year. But uh, that is, I love the, I love the, the striping in that with the gold and, and, and the red. So that's definitely a, a big thumbs up for me. Dan, um, for your adoring public, we, we have a softball question. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, oh, why? Dan, are, are Tribbles dangerous? Wyatt and Bill, I got to tell you, from the very bottom of my heart, Tribbles are not dangerous. Now, tell the story, Bill. Go ahead. How much do you love that saying? I hate it with every <laughs> fiber of my being. Um, in fact, we had gotten to a point on the uh, behind the scenes of the podcast where I had said, don't do that line effing ever again. <laughs> and I didn't until people told me and to. And then, no. <laughs> you did. And then our friends at Science, Science Division. Science Division. Um, <laughs> <laughs> came calling. I said, well, we have to use the line. Yeah. Um, and I'm not blaming Science Division at all. We love Jay. We love Kaylea. Yes. Um, but uh, that line almost went away. Almost. Um, Almost. I hate Cyrano Jones. Uh, so there was a question earlier, which I couldn't find back in the uh, in the list again. It was your least favorite Star Trek character. So we'll take that one next before we start to wrap up. Um, Cyrano Jones is one of mine. But as far as my series regular that's least favorite, um, I am not a fan of Pavel Chekhov. Right. I know you are I uh, never have been. I, yeah. I love Walter Koenig. I, I, I appreciate his contributions to the Star Trek franchise. I'm just not a fan of that character. And uh, Jay and Kalia, it's okay. <laughs> No, believe me, Jay and Kaylee, keep it going. I want that thing to go. I, I, I'm going to when when he's unfortunately when he's dead and buried or whatever, and he's going to have a headstone. I am going to break into the cemetery with a chisel, and I am going to tie a chip in that thing. Tribbles are not dangerous on Bill's um, gravestone. I will haunt you for the rest of your days. <laughs> you already do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so your least favorite regular series character. Regular series character, I gotta say, oh, I, no, I can't say that. I'm not gonna say that. That wouldn't be very good. It, for a long time, I think it was Neelix. That is no longer the case, though. Sure. So I don't know if I can really say, I can't really say that because he really isn't anymore. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I gotta say, I was not a big Tasha Yar fan either. I didn't, and that's not Denise's fault. I just think that, um, <laughs> okay. Desiree. I to, Sorry, awesome. I, I had to put that up. That's, that's Desiree's awesome. going to put Tribbles are Not Dangerous on a shirt. Thank you, Desiree. That's great. Much I just, love. <laughs> I just didn't think that the writers gave her anything to do. And sometimes, even though Denise did, you know, as, as well as she could, it just didn't come through, I think, for me anyway. Um, but that's just me. Uh, that's just the way I guess. That's just what I'm going with. I don't want to end on a on a serious note, yeah. but uh, there's a question that literally just came in um, that I, that I want to talk about uh, because it's about a topic you and I are very passionate about or passionate against, and it's gatekeeping. It's going to cover our our, our face a little bit. But Carlton mm. asks, worst interaction with Trek fans. My 13 year old and I watched Lower Decks last week. Today he got crushed by the reviewers on YouTube who are ripping the hell out of it. He also gets pummeled because his favorite Trek movie is Beyond. Some Trek fans piss me off because I'm trying to grow his fandom and people are killing it. Maybe the fact he gets hurt by the opinions of these gatekeepers is evidence of his fandom. Uh, Carlton, it absolutely is. Ugh. I mean, our cardinal rule is that if you love something about Star Trek, you're a fan. And you don't need to prove your credentials to anybody. 
Um, there are people out there who live to just crap on anything new. And it doesn't matter if it's Discovery or Picard or uh, Short Tracks or Lower Decks. There are going to be people who crap on strange new worlds. And all they want to do is seem like they're in a position of authority so they can get clicks on YouTube for revenue. Right. And I have, I have no use for people like that. There was a, there was a troll in the, in the comments here earlier that I saw that I, we just decided to ignore because, you know, people are always going to find a way to, to crap on something. We don't claim to be experts about anything. We're not. We're just not. We don't produce Star Trek. We don't write Star Trek. We don't make Star Trek. We're two nerds behind microphones who talk about the thing they love. And that's what fandom should be. Um, if I know people who love discovery, I know people who hate discovery. It doesn't minimize their fandom in any way, Dan. I think the best way for me to answer that question, the worst interaction, the worst interaction with Trek fans is social media. One of the best inventions of our day has turned into the worst invention of our day. And that's social media, because you've got anonymous jerkwads that get behind a keyboard and say whatever they want anonymously and think that they are running the show. And it's disgusting to see what happens. Just because you don't like something, don't get on your high horse and tell everybody else how much it sucks because you think it does because you're wrong. We talked about it all the time. Somebody's least favorite is somebody's favorite, and it's exactly the opposite. There's no reason for you to get on somebody's case, especially a kid, for crying out loud. Carl, I really feel bad for that, that, um, uh, that, that, that your son's getting pummeled with that. That is just horrendous and jason says it great all star trek is good star trek if you don't like it fine there are going to be people who are going to bitch about it all the time because they don't think it's quote their star trek because their star trek was in 1969 and 1970 or the mid 80s it changes everything changes everything evolves if you don't like it fine don't watch it but you don't have to go around telling everybody else how wrong they are it's just it really can get aggravating to see some of the things that are said uh, on social media in regards to gatekeeping. And, and it really, it, it, it's absolutely right. People who want to become fans are being forced away from it because of this kind of blather. You know, back in the late 90s and 2000s, uh, when the internet was just sort of coming alive, people used to crap on Rick Berman all the time. Yeah. And complain about him and say yeah. how he was ruining Star Trek. And now you get 25 to 30 years down the road and people think Berman was the second coming of Gene Roddenberry to some extent. Like they forgot all of the stuff they used to complain about. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with Aaron Harvey. Promote what you love instead of bashing what you hate. That's Absolutely. what Camp Kittimer is about, our Facebook group. Um, that's what we try to be about. Yeah, we're all going to have likes and dislikes in the Star Trek franchise. Um, it doesn't mean we can't celebrate why we love the thing. Absolutely. And, and you know what I love? I love what Aaron just said in response to the Desiree making a t-shirt. He says that he's going to design it, and you know that that's going to be awesome, so I can't wait to see that one. Crap. <laughs> All right, Dan, so last question mm -hmm. of the night. It's one that got buried a couple of times, and so I want to give Helen her due. Um, All-time best and worst of Dan's Farkisms. Now, in all candor, I'm going to say I can't remember most of them. However, you keep a database. I do. Uh, you have every single Farkism you've ever used in mm -hmm. any episode of Trek Geeks. Yeah. Um, uh, there's one that I thought was really good and I don't know if you track my responses. I don't. It's probably only two that I thought were good. <laughs> wow. Um, slow. I think you did, you did Fark Beyond the Stars at one point, right? I did. Yep. I think I liked that one. Yep. Um, if, if I'm going to talk about the worst of them, I think they're all the worst except that one. <laughs> wow. That's kind of opposite of what I was going to say, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think your favorite was Fark Wiel. 
You really oh, liked that one. Oh, I did like one. Farquiel. You did like that one. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, but I gotta say, it's like it's like kids. They're all your favorite. So that's what I'm gonna say right there, Helen. They're all uh, my and favorite. actually, I lied because uh, I said that was the last one. It's not. Uh, one more that got buried from our our dear dear friend Alan Martinez, the 24, soon to be 25 year old Trekkie. Um, what are our favorite Ensign Rolaren moments? Hi, Allie. Hope everything's great in Okinawa. Yes. Hope you and your husband are doing well. The Daystrom Institute. Um, so you have a favorite Ensign Row moment? I don't, I don't know. Um, I like that she stood up for what she believed in, uh, when she decided to, uh, leave the Enterprise. Um, it was not an easy decision because I know how much she cared about Picard and what he thought of her. But at the same time, you can't, you, it's like Mariner on Lower Decks. I like her because she stands up for what she believes in and she doesn't back down from it. Yeah. So I think that, um, and also, I, oh my God, Allie, my favorite Rolaren moment was the picture that you gave me of you as Rolaren. Come on. <laughs> uh, that is the correct answer. <laughs> Thank you. What about Honestly. you, man? Um, I have to say, I think that my favorite Rolaren moment probably, it's its at the beginning, honestly. I think I appreciate the way she comes aboard and the way she's just not having anything, you know, uh, to do with, with Picard or Riker. She's like, yeah, I'm here. Whatever. Um, let's just do this thing and get it over with because you don't want me here any more than I'm here. I think Michelle Forbes does a great job of of acting the hell out of that moment. And then when she goes undercover, you know, for the Maquis, um, I think it's it's preemptive strike. Um, the, the penultimate episode of the yes. series, I think. Yep. Uh, I, I, I do love some of her interactions with the older Bajoran guy. I think it's in that episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, what Ryan says is what's going to be my, my favorite comedic moment is when uh, he she did um, phaser him in the head when he was frozen in time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Dan. Oh, wait a minute. Wrong. No, it wasn't frozen time. No, sorry. it wasn't frozen. Wrong time. episode. Timescape. Sorry. T- Timescape. <laughs> frozen in time. That sounds no, like a Disney movie. Oh, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna sing a song about that. No. No. No, no. you don't. Uh, Dan, that kind of does it for Ask Us Anything. Wow. Uh, we want to thank everybody for your questions and participating. Um, always fun. Um, we're gonna try to do another live stream probably coming up next month at some point. Um, because we, we love doing them. Um, it's not the kind of thing we could do with any regularity because we can barely figure out technology as it is. Plus, you know, we can't do it too often because they're, they're looking at us and that's well, just not right. You know who they get to look at now, Dan? Oh, oh that. Um, you may not know this, but they may get to look at our dear friends, the band Five Year Mission, oh. um, whom we want to thank for uh, all the music they let us use here on the podcast. You heard one of their tracks, The Ultimate Computer, in the, uh, in the countdown video earlier tonight. Yeah. They were the theme of the Trek Geeks podcast, all the themes, all the bumper music you would normally hear. Um, and they're just five great guys. Uh, plus, they have a podcast here on this very network now, Dan. And did you know that it is called Five Year Mission, the podcast? Drops fortnightly on Mondays. Wow. I just, I just want to thank the brains behind the, uh, the ingenious name of that podcast. It's, it, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's right they, here, baby. They have, do, you know, do you know, Bill, that they have six albums right now? They have six albums out there for anyone to go purchase on their website, which is Do pretty they? cool. Year what one, are they? They're year one, year two, year three, year four. So that's four years worth of a three-year series. Um, and then they also have <laughs> <laughs> Trouble, wow. with Tribble, Trouble with Tribbles and Spock's Brain. There is so much music to love. But I got to tell you, you know, we talk about it every week. I have to bring it up. I watched another episode. Actually, I watched two episodes this time, Bill. Um, you know, it, it was 
I'm enjoying Voyager 25 so much. It's all year long we're talking about it. Uh, you got to admit that this particular two-parter was was great because there were so many good moments in it. And there's some great characters and aliens in this episode. Some of the aliens are pretty scary. Some of them are ugly, uglier than you, actually. So that's really saying something. I knew that was coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're dangerous. They want to destroy the Borg, and they want to play drums across the universe as well as their home realm in some form of subspace. Uh, don't let them touch you either, uh, because you'll get all gooey and gross and have things coming out of your nose like Ensign Kim did. And I know you know what I'm talking about. You need to fear them. You need to fear them as the Borg fear them. For they are Species 8 Fark 7 2. Oh, dear, dear, great bird of the galaxy. They are crazy scary. 8 Fark 7 2. Even Ryan Jeff's like, oh boy, here it comes. Yeah, sorry, man. There it goes. Um, Out of the park. No, (laughs) no. That was fouled back into the the hot dog stand. (laughs) Um, That's fiveyearmission.net. Please go get all their albums, become a huge fan, because we guarantee you're going to become one. Don't forget, too, you can subscribe. I can't say that word today. To bonus content via Patreon. Um, you get all kinds of exclusive perks like laptop stickers and t-shirts and our unparalleled annual supporters pin, which we produce with our friends at Fansets each and every year, Dan. Absolutely. Can't wait for this new one coming out. Uh, we want to take a moment right now to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. So thank you, Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Molenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. I'm so glad that that you do that. Um, <laughs> Dan, of course, we want to thank our Patreon producers. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Steph Lescu, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, some guy named Casey Shafsky, Chris yeah. Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. You, too, can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, Voyager 25 continues with a discussion on a two-parter that we both gave a thumbs up to on See It or Skip It. And I just talked about it in my Farkism and just realized it. That's kind of amazing. I was writing this stuff up and didn't even realize it. Yeah, we both gave it a thumbs up, and uh, I think uh, Marina gave it a thumbs up, too, but... She also had 16 seats in a row, so I just you know want to throw that out there. Yes, <laughs> next week we are going to discuss the epic start to season four of Voyager, the Borg, species eight Fark, species eight four seven two, the Northwest Passage, Harry Kim suffering more than ever, and the introduction of Seven of Nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix Zero One. It's Scorpion parts one and two next week on Trek Geeks. Your flagship for the Trekkies Podcast Network. <laughs> that was very dramatic. I wasn't I was, prepared for this. I was trying to do something dramatic. 
Data Quest for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the member podcast of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many podcasts. In fact, mm-hmm. there's the brand new Infinite Trek with our friend Aaron Harvey, who we mentioned mere moments ago. The audio-only version of that is available on Tuesdays. And of course, um, some little show called Discovering Trek is back weekly on Mondays for the next 23 weeks, Dan. Um, we just released a Lower Decks Episode 1 today, actually, right? Episode 1, Second Contact. Yeah. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for that insight. It was Uh, fun, too. (laughs) So to find them all, including where to listen, go to trekgeeks.com slash listen. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 228 of the Trek Geeks podcast. Thank you. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut. 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 What, what is that? That's my coconut drink. <laughs> I've been waiting all night to say what I had in there. Yeah. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong. Hey, bing bong live. Bing bong live. It's only the second time we've ever done the outtake at the very end of the show. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. You're screwing with time, baby. Uh, I'm a time lord. You're a time lord? Yeah. Uh, And Aaron brings up a good point. Yes, uh, Brandy Jackala is the co-host of Infinite Track. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, She wasn't here, so we we didn't call her out. Right. Um, That's what you get for missing staff meetings, doctor. Yes. Um, when you're not around, I don't think of you either, Bill. So I guess, you know, whatever. Really? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's not true. I live rent-free in your head. No, no, you don't. No. No. You don't. No. I so, do write about you sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. The, thing, the thought of you putting a pen to paper to actually write down something when you can barely speak the English language. I, I, I know, really. I did pretty good tonight, though. So uh, we hmm. talk about this a little bit on Discovering Trek. Um how much do you love Lower Decks? I love Lower Decks. Now, uh, can't say anything about it, but everybody, most people have seen episode one. We have had the honor of being able to see episodes two and three. Mm. I love Lower Decks. It is episode, I'm going to say this, episode one wasn't a fluke, people. Um, this show is going to kick ass, and I think it's great. I think it's, it's fantastic to have this kind of Star Trek now. Not, and I've said it before. We've all said it now with with COVID nineteen and everything. But it's it's 
it's a it's a breather. It's a breath of fresh air. You're not yeah. worrying about the Borg and the Romulans and who's gonna die and who's gonna live. This is a fun show. It's a fast paced show. There's a lot of fast dialogue in it, which I thought was like, oh, that's gonna be a problem, but it's not. It really fits the show. The uh, Mike McMahon is is a god right now to me. What he has done in that show and just what we've seen so far is phenomenal. The attention to detail and the Star Trek canon and, and Easter eggs is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I love it. I wasn't sure if I would or not. And I think any doubt of that was gone inside of the first five minutes. Uh, yeah. I was excited for it. I, I wanted to see, you know, what it had to, to tell us, but, um, it, uh, it definitely is different. And I think that it works beautifully in the Star Trek universe. What I find interesting is, I like the episode Lower Decks, but it was never one that I'm like, oh, my God, this one's so great. I've changed in my old age to that. I now like it a lot more than I did. And I will admit, when we first heard that there was a new animated series coming out, I'm like, oh, okay. And then when we found out what it was going to be about, I was like, oh, okay. Completely, completely blew me away. I was so happy and so impressed with what we saw. And uh, I can't wait to see more of it. So we're going to continue the theme of, of asking us anything because Marina asked us a question. Uh, which legacy Trek character would you like to see on Lower Decks? And no, um, she doesn't mean Mike or Emily. I'm sorry. This is the outtake, Marina. We're done with that. Can you please not bother us with questions? I'm just <laughs> what a dick. It's, it's the outtake. I'm supposed to be like that. <laughs> it's live. <laughs> I, or Memorex. It's live. Okay. All right. No, we we love answering questions from Marina. And you love Marina, so cut it I, out. She is great. She's fantastic. Um, what character, what legacy Trek character would I like to see on Lower Decks? I'd love to see Dr. Bashir again. You know, have him show up. You know, it takes place after Nemesis. So, you know, have him, you know, have them have them show up at the station and have him still be there as chief medical officer McCoy's age now or something. I don't know. What are you? What about you? I'm going to go the full Riker. Riker would be good. Riker would be very good. Yeah. I figured there's a good shot of that. Yeah, there really um, is. Th there's a good chance. I'd love to see the Titan. That would be fantastic. They've talked about Deanna already, so maybe we'll see her. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I'm also excited for Prodigy. Um, I, I have a feeling that's going to welcome in a whole new audience. Um, I, I have, you know, I have Nickelodeon. I've, I haven't watched it, I think, since the 80s. I but uh, I'm willing to turn it on to watch Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, definitely. I've never watched Nickelodeon, I don't think, ever. But I would uh, I would certainly watch it for this. I guess their story came out today. They named a director or something. I don't, yeah. I didn't read the whole thing. But, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a shock. I, I, I can't read too, too's good anyway. But um, uh, I was busy prepping for the show to make sure it was of the highest quality. So I saw the headline and I filed it for later reference, sir. So clearly you failed in your task. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the one controlling the buttons. I'm just sitting here looking good. Yeah, but if you did all the prep, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron Harvey says Tom Riker. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a Riker. That's a fit. Yeah. Uh, when does Lower Decks take place? It takes place uh, post-Nemesis. Yes, about a year from what I've read. About a year after Nemesis, it takes place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the, the attention to detail. I read an article the other day about why the Cerritos has a yellow stripe on it and that other ships have a blue stripe on it, and that's just fantastic. I do, too. Uh, Jason Marks, uh, he and I are, are simpatico on this one. I still can't believe you've never seen 
one of the is Hallmark the, 80 shows. You can't do that on television. On is that the gel stuff dropping on people's heads? It's called slime. Slime, rather. You'll see, see, that's because I haven't seen it. I've seen clips. I never watched a, an episode. It's like, okay, here we go, people. So, because the people are going to be shocked in this one. I've never watched a full episode of The Simpsons in my life. Why, why do you hate freedom? I don't, I don't like The Simpsons. I've never liked them. Never. The only time I've seen a Simpsons episode is when they guest starred on Family Guy. <laughs> so, so if you haven't watched a full episode, how do you know you don't like it? Because what I have seen, I haven't liked. Huh. The only one that I've seen almost close to a full one was the Halloween episode with the hash slinging slasher. <laughs> I'm amazed you made it to that phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it so slow. <laughs> hash slinging slasher. Yep. Yeah. And you're, and to me, you're Patrick, so I, there's no reason for me to watch the show. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, yep. So yeah, I did, it's just never something, and that's one of the longest running series ever in television history and a number of episodes, but I've never, it's just never something I've had any interest in watching at all. Wow. Don't know why. And so the same for the Nickelodeon, uh, slime machine show. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that was a live action show. Action? Live action, okay, as okay, opposed to gonna, animated. Okay, you better. I'll tell you right now. You better give somebody some crap for this one right here. I've given Robert plenty of crap for that. <laughs> okay, he, he's never seen a full episode. It's there's no helping Robert. He also loves Sabrosa. <laughs> <laughs> Dad takes a sip of his coconut drink. I take a sip of my drink. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, Robert, which sweater do you have on tonight? <laughs> Does it matter? Do you really uh, think it, does. it matters, Eddie? <laughs> it does. Red or blue. He's going to come back and say, I have the Wesley sweater on. Oh, that's I got that red on Because he posted, I think, that photo today or or whatever. I'm almost done season two at the office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to get to casino night pretty quickly. Oh, boy. Sub Rosa is good. No, it's not. No, it's not great. No, Sub Rosa's <laughs> not good. Although uh, Rewind is doing Sub Rosa... This week it'll be released on Thursday. Yes, uh, sure Haley and Sarah be. take on that uh, uh, horrible episode. Uh, one of the few dogs directed by Jonathan Frakes. It's not his fault. Not his fault, and um, that should be an interesting conversation in itself. Just the fact that they're talking about um, Beverly and a candle on Rewind, because you never know what's going to happen. Robert's not wearing a sweater. Oh. Dear God, man! Oh, what's my. wrong with the world? Are you feeling okay? Uh, I don't want to ask what he is wearing, but just stop. This is a PG show. <laughs> it's the outtake, though. It's PG for put on some glows. No, just put on some GD pants, <laughs> Dan. I I might have pants on. I might have pants on. Uh, Jason asks how my Babylon Five watch is going. It hasn't yet begun. It was supposed to begin on my long weekend this past weekend. Oh. I didn't do a damn thing that I had intended to do all weekend long, and I'm kind of annoyed by it. I have not started mine either. I do know that uh, I can uh, I can borrow friends um, Plex server information and and watch away. Oh no, my friend! I bought all five seasons on Amazon because they were on sale. Oh well, okay. Well, I'll just borrow yours then. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, give me your login then. <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> incorrect, mon frere. <laughs> it's only 22 bucks. Maybe I'll have my wife buy it for me. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, why can't you just pony up and buy it yourself? Because <laughs> it's Babylon 5. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's not like it's Firefly. Uh, oh, ouch. <laughs> All right, so, so Blake, I got a story for you. Um, the other night... 
I put on the first episode of the redo of Battlestar Galactica where it had been 40 years since the Cylons had been seen and, and there's a colonial officer in the space station by himself and they just wait for the Cylons to show up, which they never do. But then this time, bum, 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 the Cylons show up and blow up the station. And right after that scene was done, my wife was like, this is boring. I don't want to watch it. So we shut it off. <laughs> you really should watch it after you're done The Office. I, I do want to watch it, and I think I can talk her into doing it. So we'll see. And if not, now, well, I'll just make People it. wonder why I keep giving Dan crap about The Office. It's because I've been trying to get him for six years to watch the show. Um, initially, it took him three years to watch Step Brothers after I actually bought him the DVD and had it mailed to his house. Yes. yes. So uh, this is not aberrant behavior for Dan. This it is isn't. expected behavior. But you know what? Step Brothers is now so appreciated in my house that even when it's on and I put it on, my wife laughs at it. <laughs> it's just so fun. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yup. <laughs> Catalina Wine makes it. <laughs> Can't say what I want to say, though, because there's a PG-13 show. <laughs> don't, uh, don't lose your dinosaur, Dan. I want to punch you right in the suck. Chewbacca masks. <laughs> it's okay that mine's not movie quality. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. My uh, wife loves to throw out random stepbrothers quotes just in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's the funniest thing ever. It's cool. Cool stuff. All right, buddy. You picked a good one. Hey, this was a lot of fun, man. It really and, was. I uh, want to thank all of the people that chipped in, as usual. It's it's so awesome to see all the people here and, and sending message and sending us uh, um, tidings of great joy and gratitude. You know? It's, uh, you know, everybody out there is the reason why we do this. Um, yeah. you know, we, we love talking about Star Trek. We've always said we'll do it till it's not fun. And, and everybody who listens make it the most fun every single time. So, um, I love doing these live things every now and then. We'll, we'll definitely do, uh, another one hopefully coming up soon. Sure. I'm all for it. And I'm sure you will be. And I'm sure you'll tell me when it's going to happen. <laughs> That's usually how these things go. <laughs> Absolutely. Or I'll everybody with my bat left. Have a great night. Live long and prosper.